We're beginning today a two-week mission celebration. It's our global footprint celebration uh, this Sunday and next in which, I'm very excited about this, in which we are highlighting two next-generation missions couples uh, that have had years of time being a part of the Central Assembly family. Next week, it'll be Jennifer and John Barrett, who are part of our church, a headquarter out of Springfield, and they are just taking leadership right now of Project Rescue, that amazing global ministry uh, intersecting in human trafficking uh, issues and rescuing women, and uh, we're grateful. And Dave and Beth Grant, who started Project Rescue, also part of our church family, will be here, and we're going to be celebrating the passing of the baton to them. But today, I'm so... I'm so honored to be able to introduce to you Devin and Ruthie Lolly. Devin and Ruthie. Now, Ruthie is one of my nieces. My wife has one brother and I have two daughters. One of the daughters back there, Julia, Julia Peterson, Julia and Tracy, good to see you. Julia is a missionary and Ruthie's a missionary. And we're, we're so grateful uh, for her and Ruthie. They have one, one uh, beautiful young little boy and they're expecting their second child right now. And uh, it is so great. To, be, to connect with Ruthie again. And Devin, her husband, Devin basically grew up here. Mark and Lori Lolly, some of you know uh, Devin's parents and, and uh, his family have been a part of Central for years. And they have been the last four years in the Comoros Islands uh, leading, leading a Live Dead team, reaching, reaching uh, a very unchurched part of our world. And they're going to be telling us a little about that story. We're so proud of them. We're so grateful for them. They're back here for a few months, raising prayer supporters and financial supporters. And as you give to our Footprint Missions Fund, uh, we help to support them. And we're so proud of them and grateful for them. So I want you, first of all, just both to stand. Let's give them a huge welcome back to Central Assembly. Devin's going to bring a message from God's Word in a few minutes and more about what they're doing. But first of all, Ruthie, why don't you come? We love and appreciate you. And uh, Ruthie is just uh, a delight. I'm so honored to have her in our family. And so good to have you here Thank with us. Good morning. We are just beyond excited and thrilled to be here at Central with all of you, our home church. Thank you to Pastor Jim and Sandy for this amazing and humbling opportunity. And thank you to all of you for all of your love and support and prayers of us. Just to share a little bit more about us, I grew up as a missionary kid in Africa. So I have always had a love and a heart for missions. Devin, on the other hand, grew up here at Central, heard countless missionaries, and never in a million years would have thought that he would become a missionary. So it's amazing that God brought not only the two of us together, but called our family into missions. Our son, Nolan, he's about to turn three this month, um, but he was born in Kenya over our last term. So when we came back this summer, it was the first time that he had ever been in America. So it's been fun to get to see America through his eyes. One of his favorite things about America is all of the berries. I think he would eat strawberries all day if I let him. And he loves going to all of the different playgrounds. One thing he's not so sure about is mac and cheese. And he always asks me, why are there so many stoplights? Because where we live, there are two, and they basically never work. <laughs> We just finished our first four-year term on the Comoros Islands. 
It's a set of islands off the east coast of Africa, northwest of Madagascar. The people of the Comoros Islands are 99.9% .9 Muslim. 99.9. So for a Comorian, to be Muslim is to be Comorian. The line between culture and religion is blurred. The accepted standard for every single person is that they are a Muslim. There is no alternative. But that gives us a beautiful option, a beautiful way to stand out to the people around us because we are not Muslim. And every time we walk outside our door, we have opportunities to share our faith. Like you would imagine of an island nation, Comorian culture is very laid back. Many people don't have jobs or they have small little shops that they own. So usually the same people are in the same place outside every day. So one day we were walking past a group of our friends on the way to our English school, which is our platform for getting into the country because we can't go in openly as missionaries. And our friends were like, guys, you're late today. And we were a little confused. We looked down at our watches. We were five minutes later than we normally were. But everything goes about the same pace always, so that stood out to our friends. But it really hit home because we realized Comorians are always watching. And not only can we shine the light of Jesus through our words, but also through our actions. Our son Nolan loves going on walks, and it was on one of our walks that I met my friend Mama Musa. Mama Musa is a devout Muslim. She has nine children, and her husband teaches Arabic and Islamic studies. Oftentimes, when you get into conversations with Comorians about faith, they can tend to become defensive and try to convince you why Islam is more important than Christianity, why we should follow the Quran and not the Bible, and also why Jesus' time as a, as a prophet is done and why we should follow Muhammad. But we know that that defensiveness comes from an insecurity in their faith because usually once you start asking those deeper questions, they don't know why they believe what they believe and they don't have answers. But Mama Musa is not like that. Mama Musa has always had this openness and curiosity for why I'm a Christian and why I follow Jesus. She just has this true sincerity as she's searching for the truth. One of my favorite memories with Mama Musa was when she asked me to teach her how to make a chocolate cake for her daughter's birthday. And that just presented a beautiful opportunity to sit in her small little kitchen on stools on the floor for multiple hours, just talking about all things in our lives from family to faith. I love Mama Musa, and she is such a special friend. Before we left this summer, I was able to give Mama Musa a Bible. It was the first time she had ever seen a Bible, let alone held one. But we sat in her little shop, and unashamed, she held that Bible as people came in and out of the shop and continued to ask me questions about why I followed Jesus. And once again, I was able to share the gospel with her. I'm filled with hope and expectation that one day Mama Musa will become a Christian and that she will lead her entire family in a relationship with Jesus. Would you join me in praying for Mama Musa? Mama Musa is just one of thousands of Comorians the majority of which have never once in their lives met a Christian, let alone heard the gospel. And that is why we feel like God has called us to Comoros. There's nothing special about us, but God has placed a call in our lives, and we're just trying to faithfully sow seeds until we see a local church grow in Comoros that becomes a church planting movement. 
So thank you so much for your love and your prayers. We know that it's your prayers especially that sustain us and that will win the spiritual battle in Comoros and bring about an actual change amongst the Comorian people. So thank you so much. God bless you. And I'll now turn it over to Devin. Good morning. It is such a blessing and a humbling honor to worship together with you all this morning. Man, I have an amazing wife. Ruthie is an incredible wife, an incredible mother. She's an incredible ministry partner, an outstanding leader, and I'm so thankful for Ruthie. Thank you so much, Pastor Jim, for the opportunity to be here with you all this morning. It is with reverent fear and nearly literal trembling that I stand here before you today. As has been said, my name is Devin. I grew up right here at Central Assembly from the age of 10. I, along with my family, have attended this amazing church. The fear and trembling I have this morning is from knowing the great, many, mighty men and women of God who have stood in this place before me. Many great preachers, evangelists, missionaries, and guest speakers have stood right here and delivered powerful messages. Not to mention all the many who are sitting out among you even now. So it is a humbling honor. Two of my favorite speakers of all time are Dr. George O. Wood and Dr. James Bradford. You may have heard of them before. <laughs> I was a teenager when Dr. Wood came as interim pastor following Pastor David Watson. I loved the way Dr. Wood would tell stories. I was always intrigued and excited to see what he would bring out of the word. I had never been more excited to hear the preacher on a Sunday morning. And then came Dr. Jim Bradford, pastor by day, aerospace engineer by night. <laughs> He's like a double superhero. It's amazing. Pastor Jim, your humility and your ability to bring a challenging word were an inspiration, and they are an inspiration to me. As you already know, Pastor Jim is a master at taking complex subjects and topics and explaining them in an understandable way. That is a real and impressive skill. I would love to thank each person from Central Assembly who impacted my life over the years, but if I were to do that, we would be here until tomorrow. But I want to extend a significant and sincere thank you to those of you who have impacted my life over the years. I also want to extend a significant and sincere apology to anyone who may have shushed me in what we used to call the big service, or to anyone to whom I may have caused grief and or anxiety. I'm quite positive you know who you are. <laughs> I have to say, it feels so good to be home. Being here this morning and worshiping together with you all certainly feels like we are home. But home has become a bit of a funny word for us now in the life that God has called us to live. For Ruthie, as a missionary kid, home has, always been, has, home has almost always been a bit of a funny word. But I am starting to understand that for myself more and more now. When we come to the USA and people say, welcome home, or doesn't it feel so good to be home? They are correct in saying and asking those things. But the feelings associated with home have become more complex for us now. While we do feel like we are returning to a place we call home, we also have left a place that has very much become home to us. So the word home has a bonus meaning for us now. People say things like, 
Home is where you hang your hat, or a man's castle, a man's home is his castle, or home is where the heart is. That last one is quite possibly closest to being true. It isn't really talking about a physical building, of course, but is metaphorical, meaning wherever the places or people are that you love, that is home. And maybe your heart is in different places. Maybe you have a home with the people where you grew up and you have a home right here in Springfield, Missouri. For us, we have a home on the little island of Ngazija in the Indian Ocean, and we have a home right here in Springfield. Those places are far from each other in almost every sense of the word, but yet both are home to us now. In a spiritual sense, however, we know that this earth is not our home. In Hebrews 13, verse 4, it says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. I love that. You know, this world has a lot of trouble and strife and also many times of great joy and happiness, but nothing will compare to that home that is yet to come. Oh, how I long to be there. This earth is not our home is the title for what I will be sharing this morning. This earth is not our home. We will be looking at a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. You can turn there now, or I believe we'll have the verses on the screens. But before we get into the Word of God, let me pray. Lord, we're so thankful. What an astonishing honor it is for us to enter into the presence of the creator of the universe. God, that you would allow relationship and communion with us to yourself is amazing. So, Lord, we just pray that as we get into your word, oh God, it would be just that, your word that speaks to us this morning. God, I pray that for each person and in each heart, you would share exactly and specifically what we each need to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. For we know that if we... We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal might be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. You may be seated. Man, to be honest, I have always wanted to say, you may be seated. <laughs> and I got my chance. Anyway, I love standing for the reading of God's word. God's word is a superb gift to us as God's revelation 
of himself to us and his plan for salvation. Shout out to Junior Bible Quiz. Question number one, what is the Bible? <laughs> Do you love the Word of God? I love the Word of God. The more I read it, the more I love it. So we are talking about the fact that the earth is not our home. The first thing I want to draw out of this text is if the earth is not our home, then have no fear. If the earth is not our home, then have no fear. Verses 1 through 4 say, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I think if we really knew what awaits us in heaven, we too would be groaning and longing to be taken there. Beyond what we can even comprehend, eternity in God's presence. Truly, what a day of rejoicing that will be. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Then what should we fear? Not death, because death will be the greatest day of our lives. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We don't have to fear because God is with us. And he has prepared a place for us, an eternal house in heaven. We have a good friend in Comoros named Adam. Adam came to know Jesus through one of our teammates named Stephen. Adam is brave and bold and has told many people in Comoros about Jesus. He came up with a plan all on his own to go to villages where he knew for sure they had not yet heard the truth about who Jesus is. He's been beaten for his faith, thrown out of his village, but he keeps sharing the truth wherever he goes. Adam has told me that he is not afraid to die, and if he dies for his faith, he hopes that others would come to know Jesus through his death. He is a young, personable, hardworking guy, but he came out of a very rough background in life on the streets in Comoros. God radically changed Adam's life, but from time to time he still struggles with the issues of his past. The enemy whispers lies to Adam like, you're still stained by the sin of your past, or you'll never be good enough, or you'll never do anything worthwhile with your life. And many times I have poured truth into Adam's life and reminded him of who God says that he is, that he is loved, worthwhile, valuable, a blessing, a child of the Most High God. And that is true for you, too. You are loved. You are worthwhile. You are valuable. You are a blessing. And because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, we can be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. To him be the glory. Would you please pray for my good friend Adam, that he would be set free from all the chains of his past and live fully in righteousness for God. Though young in his faith, Adam has a good understanding of what his life means in Christ. He has faced much persecution, and yet he keeps sharing Jesus wherever he goes. 
it is a great challenge for me. It should be a great challenge for you. If a guy like Adam, who has faced and will continue to face much persecution for his faith, has counted the cost and has decided that no consequence is too great, even death, for the sake of the gospel, don't you think you and I, who probably have not suffered too much yet, ought to be willing to do the same? Couldn't I be sharing Jesus more? Couldn't I be willing to take more risk for his name's sake? Couldn't I be willing to offend someone so that even one more person might come to know him? If the earth is not our home, then have no fear. The second thing we can learn from our passage in 2 Corinthians is if the earth is not our home, then trust God. If the earth is not our home, then trust God. In verse 5 it says, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. God has fashioned each one of us, and he has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Hallelujah. How great is our God. We can trust God, for he made us, and he sustains us, and his spirit dwells in us, and he guarantees for us what is to come. That is amazing. No question about it, we have no need for doubt. If the earth is not our home, then we can put our faith in the one who guarantees us an eternal place in his presence. We have another Comorian friend named Philip. He is a very dear brother in the Lord. Philip comes from a devout Muslim family. In many, if not all, forms of Islam, there is some animism mixed in. And there is a lot of dealing with jinn or demons in everyday life. And that is true in Comoros. People are demonized. They have spells put on them or receive some kind of power from these dark spirits. Some people do not even want the jinn to leave them alone. They just want to do things to appease them. Philip's mom and cousin have helped many people with appeasing demons. If someone has a problem that a demon is causing them, they go to Philip's mom or his cousin for some kind of ritual or natural medicine that will pacify the demon for some time. Philip has been praying for his family and especially for his mom to come to know the Lord as he does. For a long time, Philip kept his faith hidden from his family, but he prayed and asked the Lord for an opportunity to share his faith with them. One day he walked into his house in his village. At the exact moment when he entered the home, his mother fell to the floor unconscious, and everyone thought she had passed out from some kind of illness. The same day, Philip walked into his cousin's house, and at the exact moment when he entered the home, his cousin fell to the floor unconscious, and everyone thought she had passed out from some kind of illness. However, since that day, when he entered those homes and those women fell to the floor, neither of them have been able to help people who are being troubled by demons. They lost their so-called power. You see, the Holy Spirit living in us is so strong, he needs to only enter the presence of darkness, and the darkness flees. After this, Philip knew he had his sign from the Lord to share his faith with his family. I would love to tell you that since that day, these two women have come to the Lord, but sadly, that is not true. In fact, Philip faced many difficult times of persecution, kicked out of his village, 
His family called the place where he was living in the capital city and told those people to kick him out of the place where he was staying, but the Lord was faithful and brought him through those times. And he's trusting God. He hasn't given up hope for his family. Philip has had a vision of his family gathered around, a meal they're about to partake in, praying and holding hands and giving thanks to Jesus before they eat. He hasn't lost hope. Even if he can't see the final result yet, he has faith in God. Would you pray with us for Philip's family that they would all come to know him? God made us. His spirit is in us. He guarantees our future. How can we not trust him? Even if we don't understand, even if things don't make sense, even if we haven't seen the promise come true yet, we can put our full trust in him. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. If the earth is not our home, then trust God. My third point this morning, if the earth is not our home, then look forward. If the earth is not our home, then look forward. Verses 6 through 10 say, Therefore we are always confident, and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due, for us, uh, what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I love verse 8. It says, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Wouldn't you prefer to be at home with the Lord? Even though we may not fully comprehend what that means, it just sounds like it's the best. At home with the Lord. That is something to look forward to. Amen? We have seen God do many amazing things in Comoros over the past four years. And one of those things that is happening through, in and through our friend named Farouk. Farouk was given a Bible when he was young, and he read it from time to time. However, he remained a devout Muslim. A little, a little over a year ago, he was invited to a Bible study being held by a Christian couple, our teammates David and Holly. They studied the Bible together maybe three times or so with nothing notable occurring during those meetings. Then one evening, Farouk came to David and Holly's house full of excitement. He had had a dream, and he couldn't wait to tell them about it. In his dream, he saw Jesus shining brilliantly, all in white, and the light shining from Jesus filled his room. He could see Jesus with long, flowing hair and a beautiful face. Jesus opened his arms to Farouk and to others to embrace them. He could see in the dream people were being washed by a holy water, and he too was washed by this water. And Jesus said to him, I am coming back. After Farouk shared this dream with our teammates, David felt led to share the story of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Then they prayed together, and that night Farouk accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. But it doesn't stop there. Fast forward to today, and Farouk is now leading a group of 15 or so people in studying God's word and praying together, in bearing one another's burdens and worshiping God, all those beautiful things that make up a church, a body of Christ being formed in Comoros. They're already talking about multiplication as his little tin shack house is too small for that many people, too conspicuous to be meeting together. 
And Comoros is a small place with small houses. But God is moving in Comoros. He is doing amazing things there, and God is moving here in Springfield, Missouri, in your neighborhood. We just have to be sensitive and open our spiritual eyes to see what he is doing and how he might want each one of us to partner with him. We're very much looking forward to seeing how God will continue the planting of his church in Comoros. And another thing our family is looking forward to is a new season. Ruthie and I have the great and humbling honor of leading a new live dead team to the island of Mayotte in the Indian Ocean. Led by the Holy Spirit, we are pioneering a new work in a new place. The soil is tough there, but God is faithful and Jesus is worthy. We are believing to see a great harvest among this unreached people group, a people that have no indigenous church among them, not even one. At Central Assembly, we like to talk about making a global footprint. We are so thankful for the incredible support we receive from Central Assembly and for the many missionaries and missions organizations that are supported by Central. Over 200 missionaries, that is amazing. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the incredible generosity to us and to so many locally in the United States and around the world. Thank you. I just really could not help myself with this one. We are talking about making a global footprint, but what do you need to make a footprint? You need an actual foot touching actual ground. I want to briefly tell you a bit about my own story. I grew up on these very pews you are sitting on today. I did junior Bible quiz. I went to kids camp and youth camp where many people were being called into ministry and missions at the nightly services, but not me. I attended Evangel University. I got a degree in business management, and I was pretty sure the Lord's will for my life was to make a lot of money. For him, of course. For him. Over the course of my life, I do not know how many missionaries I have heard speak and share about what God is doing all over the world. But I didn't feel a particular calling. It wasn't until I was 24 years old working as a retail manager at Old Navy, the Battlefield Mall, that the Lord began to work on my heart. I didn't have an audible voice from the Lord moment. I didn't even have a specific country call. But God exposed my heart to the need of so many around the world who have never had a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ even one time, not once. I have no idea how many gospel presentations I have heard in my life. It is probably at least 10,000, a nice round, rough estimate. But there are people in our world who have never had the chance to hear the truth about who Jesus is. And as Ruthie shared, we are not special people. We are not great. I didn't do everything right in my life. In fact, I made countless mistakes in my life. Many, many times I tried to mess up God's plan for my life, but his goodness and his love have been running after me. Like that song we sing, his goodness is running after me. That's been happening in my life. God is so good and so faithful. If you're sitting there thinking, man, I'm really glad Devin and Ruthie and their little guy Nolan and the little baby girl on the way are doing that because I could never do what they are doing. Well, you and I are the same because I had the exact same thoughts when I would hear someone like me speaking, trust me, and trust those sitting around 
you, who may have had to corral me in my younger years here at Central Assembly. If God can use me, he can use you. And he wants to use you. Ruthie and I were simply willing and obedient. Just those two things, willing and obedient. Here am I, send me. A short but dangerous prayer. If you're feeling God tugging on your heart, to have your foot be making a literal footprint on the continent of Africa or anywhere around the world, I would love the chance to talk to you after the service. But I also just encourage you to just press into the Lord. Follow the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Seek wise counsel from the spiritual leaders in your life. There is a desperate need for more laborers all around the world. Please ask the Lord, are you calling me to go so that even one more person might have the chance to hear the truth of the gospel, possibly for the very first time. Let me pray. God, you are so good. Your mercy endures forever. Your mercies are new every morning, Lord. We're so thankful for who you are. God, we're thankful for your word, and God, we're thankful for what you're doing here in Springfield, Missouri, in the state of Missouri, in the United States, and all around the world, God, you are on the move. Lord, I would just pray if there's anyone feeling a tug on their heart from you, God, to be involved with what you're doing here or around the world, God, that they would just lean into you, God, and you would just speak so clearly to that heart. God, I pray that we would all live, no matter what you have called us to do, we would all live to make much of you, Lord, we would all live to make the name of Jesus famous around the world. Let it be so, we pray, O oh Lord. May all that we do bring honor and glory to your name. And it's in the powerful, awesome, beautiful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.